On this episode of AV Week, Broadsign has purchased Campsite, the very first Apex certified integrator in India, and controlled programming like a software developer. All that and more, next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 403, recorded Friday, May 17th, 2019, A Common Language. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlas IED, innovative audio solutions for every business environment. And by Draper, focused on innovative solutions. And by FSR. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week. Oh my goodness, uh, you might want to buckle up for this one. First and foremost, her name is Megan Dutta, and she is from SCN. Welcome, ma'am. Hi, Tim. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, also with us, uh, our two gentlemen, actually, we did a special. Uh, they did a special. I didn't do anything. Uh, I sat there and recorded it. Uh, first and foremost, Mr. Luke Jordan from Electroacoustic. Welcome, sir. Hey, Tim. How you doing? Doing well, sir. Doing well. Uh, and last but not least, I could be mistaken, but this may be Justin Watt's first time on AV Week. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, sir. And it is my first time. Thanks for having me. Get out. Yeah. It's first time weird. Ever. Justin's worked for some pretty high-profile companies that sometimes don't like uh, him being on stuff and saying where he works. So it's been you know, a coordinating effort. So. Um, very glad to have him on. Very good, very good guy. Uh, first story here we actually have comes to us from Sound of Communications. Broadsign had a busy week. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Uh, they purchased a couple of companies here. Uh, Broadsign, if you're not familiar, uh, is um, a uh, digital um, uh, digital signage uh, provider. Uh, they picked up um, Campsite as well as IUDA, and I could be mistaken. I'm mispronouncing that. Megan, you can correct me on that. Um, the campsite is a digital out of home, uh, exchange. What it does is allows folks that have, uh, existing spaces to rent, uh, or, or to, to advertise on, they connect them with people looking to advertise. Right. Um, and Broadsign is really, really being aggressive. Um, actually just, just after, um, digital signage expo, uh, Megan, we'll start with you on this. Let's look at both of these acquisitions. Where, where does this put now Broadsign? in the in the overall overall you know digital signage space i think this was a really interesting play for broadsign because they announced shortly i think it was like three weeks ago now that they acquired iuda and that was their first acquisition in 15 years so we're like oh you know they're making big moves this is great news they're growing and then maybe a week and a half later they announced a second acquisition so i think they're doing strong and they're gonna do really cool things in the market um, Luke, we'll start with coming to you on this. When it comes to acquisitions like this, where a company is augmenting an area that they don't necessarily have, right? You, there's two ways you can grow as a company. You can, you know, develop it in-house, or you can acquire it and, and add it to your portfolio. Does does either mechanism or either pathway make make more sense or less sense uh, as you know to connecting it with an integrator? And from from your guys' standpoint, do you prefer like you want, you want them to to develop it in house or you know purchasing it and, and acquiring a company is okay? Well, as Pat Brown says, it depends. Um, there really is no right or wrong answer. It, it really is 
just kind of in the eye of the beholder. So I think you have to look at, you know, why does this company exist? Do they exist uh, to provide uh, a benefit to society or to a target group of individuals? Do they exist to maximize profit for uh, a group of owners or shareholders? And are they focused on maybe a geographic region or area or, or, you know, all these different factors that why does this group or company exist? And if it is, is, is profit versus um, a benefit to people being more of a priority, you're going to see different moves happen. You might see more organic growth versus um, mergers and acquisitions. So it's not wrong. It really just depends on why are they in the market and does this move align with that value that they have. All right. Justin, one of the article in Senate Communications mentions a number of partnerships that Campsite already uh, has. When it comes to these mergers and acquisitions, and I mentioned the fact that you work for a number of really big companies, you'll also work for integrators as well. When you're looking at from from kind of the 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 customer side, right? And you say, oh, hey, you know, somebody that we have a a, a contract with has been acquired. What is that like when you're, when you're talking to them then through this process and making sure that all of your needs are met and, and what are those needs and make sure that they're still maintaining uh, the agreements that, that you have and the partnerships that you guys have? Well, that's an interesting way to look at it as well. And I think it goes back to something that Luke said earlier. You know, it really depends. Uh, when the when when the uh, the buyout or whatever occurred, the merger occurs, is it a company whose core competency is aligned with what the purchase was, or are they trying to buy into something and get kind of a smattering in a market that didn't they they, they didn't have have uh, a deep depth in to begin with in the first place? That's the first thing I look at is you know from a benefit standpoint, did the acquiring entity or the company that's doing the merger. Uh, do they already have this as part of their principal business or are they just trying to, to buy into a lot of those scenarios? You know, uh, Samsung's a great example when they got into the Harman market and tried to expand into things like the, the in-car media experience. You know, they had some depth in that area, but not a lot. But when they went in and inquired Harman and brought that experience into Samsung, they were trying to make a play. Whereas in this instance, you know, Broadside, like you said, has been running, or like, I'm sorry, like Megan said, has been running solid for the past 10 years. And they've been, you know, a fairly stable entity in the mass digital signage market. What we're looking at here, I personally believe, is, is a solid move towards uh, really nailing that stakeholder in that space and trying to, again, maximize something that is their core discipline. Megan, I'm going to wrap up here with you on this because you and I both went to DSE. Um, the, the, according to um, uh, Adam Green, Broadside's goal is to make buying and selling of, out of home as easy as possible and adding campsite, campsite's strengths to our open platform will greatly help with that mission. Talking about uh, the automating of uh, purchasing, honestly, purchasing ads. When you and I were walking through the show floor, one of the things that I found interesting was the number of folks who were doing something like this, this automation of purchasing out of home uh, signage and out of home advertising. Where does this put folks who that's their job right now, right? Their, their job is to connect, you know, somebody who has a need to, you know, 
advertise out of doors. I don't care what it is, whether if you're in New York, it's, it's every company under the sun. If you're in St. Louis, it's different. Um, but there are people whose job it is to connect advertisers with the correct and, and, and the proper um, signage to, to be on. When you start automating that and starting you know, streamlining that and making it what in essence is, is as simple as an Amazon one click, um, it, it does, does this you know, put those folks in danger of, of losing their job or maybe changing their job? I don't know about losing their job, but changing their job for sure. I think one of the things that we could see coming is instead of connecting you directly with those companies, maybe those people turn more into analysts and say, you know, here's your return on these ads. Maybe you should think about Hmm. like more in a consultant role, like pivot it from this company to this company because you're going to see more return on your investment. Very good. Uh, Next story here comes to us actually as a press release from from Avixa. Aesthetics technology has become the first integrator in India to earn the Apex designation. If you're not familiar with Apex, Apex, the Apex recognition is earn the process of customer interviews to verify your level of performance, technical capability, and training and certification of your staff, uh, meaning CTSs, CTSDs, and CTSIs. Uh, Sudan uh, Ms. Lamy of Aesthetics said, we believe, quote unquote, we believe in building excellence, and the key word is building. He went on to talk about the importance of having brand agnostic knowledge in the in the uh, area of design and installation. Uh, Luke, I'm going to start with you. First of all, you guys, uh, electro, uh, you guys are um, Apex uh, as well. How important is Apex expanding into India, uh, an emerging market, both for Avixa but also for the industry? I I I'm like super excited and pumped about this. But it's good for the industry, it's good for Evixa, but it's really good for aesthetics technologies. Uh, this is really good for their clients, this is good for their, their employees, their culture. Uh, we were the ninth Apex company worldwide, and some of the consultants, uh, and especially when we do our own design, will put that you need to be uh, a CTSD designer, CTSI installer on site. Some of them are requiring you to be an Apex company, mm. and we're typically urging end users, uh, even if they don't want us to do the design uh, and just provide respond in RFP. We'll say, hey, just so you know, here is Apex. This is what it is. Lots of companies in the, in our market down here have it. So us or one of those other companies are all qualified bidders. Um, but it's huge for aesthetics because they are pouring into their culture and their employees. So not that there's anything wrong with independent contracting. I'm not saying that, but they are hiring people. They are asking them to get certified. They might be helping them, uh, pay for that, but they are pouring into their own workforce and developing that. And the result of that is they are going to have experts who really understand what is going on outside of manufacturer training and best practices, and they are going to be able to work at a high level, and they can prove it and back it up more than just the number of years they've worked in the industry. One year of experience 20 times in a row is not the same as 20 years experience. To that same point, getting a certification without experience is also means that you've just started and you have a long way to go. There's always a catch 22. 
Well, it's also, you know, when you, when you add in, which a lot of companies do, they'll add together all of their techs, you know, and, and you know, we have a hundred years of experience, right? Uh, we have 200 years of experience. You're, you're not wrong when you say you've got to make sure that you've got uh, the experience both, you know, from the leadership, but also from the rank and file, which is, I think, what, what he was talking about as well. Um, Justin, when it comes to kind of the globalization of AV, which we've talked about a number of times on here, but we look at, um, you know, folks like the PSNI and the Global Alliance that are helping foster a lot of this. And a number of PSNI members are also APEX uh, certified as well. How does this, uh, how does the APEX certification help in the whole globalization of the AV industry and clients who are used to an APEX certified company here getting that same level of work, you know, in, in their other global offices? I think it's huge. And I think it helps from a standardization perspective. It mm -hmm. gives you that, that warm and fuzzy feeling of this is what I'm going to get when I subscribe to a service of some sort that is APEX certified. Uh, that could be any certification in that realm as well. Speaking from an end user perspective, what we see when it comes to a certification that has some meat to it, that's not just a blanket, you know, something I can pay five bucks and get in the mail and now I'm certified to do weddings. Uh, being able to actually put a, a thumb, a litmus test to what I'm going to get from someone in that space is huge. One of the interesting things about this is that from an end user perspective, I would venture that the majority of our end user base does not know what Apex certification can do for them at their level. Because sometimes we're so far removed from that level of ingest, that level of you know being, like touchy-feely kind of thing, that it may be on a bit spec, it may come out from an architect, it may come out from a consultant, but by the time it gets to me, I don't understand what that means to me. So I find value in responses or in data sets that tell me specifically, hey, we're Apex certified. Here's what it means, here's what it means to your peers, here's how it happens. Oh, and by the way, it means that in the end, you're getting a reliable, certifiable, repeatable experience. And that's huge for the global market because right now we don't, I don't wanna say we don't have that in the global market, but it's hard to really get that without going to a PSNI. Uh, without going to, you know, X global alliance, right, to, to help us drive those things home. And being a more educated end user, what I'm expecting in those experiences is something that is beneficial for everyone in that market, not just whoever holds the APEX certification. If I'm hip to what's going on, as the kids and Luke would say, and I understand what's going on in space, I'm, I'll be more apt to be able to, to make those right decisions. So I would officiate at a wedding. I take exception to that. Um, you, you mentioned the, the, you know, you, you finding this out, you, you work for a company, so you, you, you would be in the parlance of, of a Vixa, you're an end user, right? Um, I would qualify you as, qualify you as a power end user, but that's beside the point. Um, you understand the industry, you're involved in the industry. How does a Vixa or how does Luke or how does Megan inform and educate people who aren't like you and what i mean by that are these are folks who are decision makers within fortune 500 fortune 1000 uh, education institutions but you know what they're just trying to do their job right they're trying to make the, the the best decision they can they're not reading scn they're not watching you know av week they're they're you know they're it managers who are doing other things um and then suddenly they're they're 
they're uh, tasked with reading this RF, you know, helping this RFP and reading 15 different pr- proposals from 15 different people, and they see acronyms and certifications, and they have no clue what it means. How do we get to those people? That's something that I think that has been kind of the the catch twenty two, the gotcha question question for a long time. Because when we go to your infocoms and your and your ISCs, it, it's vastly overwhelming, right? I mean, you're literally drinking from the AB fire hose, from continuing education classes, from panels, from you know manufacturer demonstrations, just being on the show floor. Uh, it, Combine that with like Vegas and you're in mental overload at that point in time, right? So finding those key ways to really dig into your user base and find out the, the, those real nuanced ways to get this data in front of them is important. But I also think that making it as easily and readily available, but also it really falls to us. Me as a power end user, I mean, I'm, I'm, if I wasn't Irish and ready, I'd, I'd be blushing at this point in time. But, you know, me being this power end user, it is my responsibility to share with my peers what that means to everyone else. That's why I, I preach the gospel of CTS, for, for lack of a better term. That's why I speak to things like Apex. That's why I share as much as I can. A Vixen, and, and, and hear me out on this, if you don't take anything else out of what I say, hear me out on this, a Vixa can't do everything. A Vixa is a 100% volunteer-led organization at our level. I mean, we have staff there, but their direction comes from volunteers. That means that we, as the volunteer base, have a responsibility that if we're going to put a line in the sand and say that Apex, CTS, CTSD, CTSI, these are good, these are certifications, and this is how we're going to standardize our market, that it is our responsibility as educated end users to share that gospel amongst our peers. That's where it starts. Because the VIX is doing everything they can across the global audience but it comes to a point where just like, you know, throwing a rock in the pond and being able to expand the ripples across the lake, you have to be able to carry that message forward. It's up to us in the end. I, I know for us, you know, e- even as an integrator who's been doing this for a little bit, uh, Infocom is still overwhelming to me and I haven't made it to ISC. I don't even know how I would handle that. But this is a roadmap to any vendors that are listening. The, the way that we really get engaged with with what, what manufacturers and vendors we want to partner with. It's the ones that spend time with us. If, if you're publishing an article in SCN, but you never call me to say, let's set up a lunch and learn, let's come by your office, let's spend some quality time together talking about what your needs are and how we are uniquely gifted to, to help you with that. And unless your marketing just happens to catch me at the right time when I have the right need and it all, it's difficult to do that. So in the same way, it's up to integrators, it's up to manufacturers, it's up to power end users who are benefiting the community by giving information, by sharing information, uh, maybe even not at a profit, but just because it's the right thing to do. It, it takes getting in front of people and having that conversation. If you're just responding, filling out bids and responding to RFPs and not taking the time to really suggest different ways of thinking or doing things, it's never going to happen. Uh, I met with a client and I was looking at some video issues and I told them, do you know that your wireless mics are in the 600s and that's going to cause some problems? And he says, no, how am I supposed to know that? Because he's not, he's not plugged into that. He, 
but he also doesn't have a relationship with anybody to help him understand what's coming and what to do about it. And so I think it's up to us in the know to develop strong relationships and then challenge our customers with what the right way to do that is and pointing to things like certifications, standards, and best practices as the right way to do it. And even if I don't get to work, you should still be working with somebody that, that does. It does, yeah. Megan, I'm bringing you, up, bringing you on, this on, on this one because Megan not only was, is the editor of SCN, content director of SCN, um, she also used, used to work for a manufacturer before then. So take this from either side or, or both sides. How do, you know, how do we as an industry do what Luke and Justin have been talking about, which is making sure that the clients, making sure that the end users, making sure that our peers, but also you know, technology managers and IT managers now, they understand the importance of these certifications. I think one thing manufacturers have to do is let go of their traditional thoughts on marketing. And when they're educating people, they need to, instead of saying, oh, I'm going to tell you about my latest product, they need to be completely agnostic and not make it a commercial. They need to talk about the technology behind it. And I think integrators should be doing the same. Obviously, you want to get into specifics about projects, but like Luth said, maybe have a lunch and learn with your customers. Just give them the latest information that you have and you have access to because an educated end user is going to be the one at the end of the day that spends more money. Preach it. Absolutely. Preach. For the love of God, say it louder for the folks in the back who cannot hear you. <laughs> All right. Last story here uh, before I let you guys get out of here uh, from AV Network and SCN. Steve Greenblatt, uh, our uh, host of our, our Control and Automation show uh, podcast, State of Control, writes about creating an environment in your control a programming team that allows AV control to be written like a software developer. Uh, I, I read this and I, I was doing that very thing, Justin, saying preach. Steve writes about getting the control programmers more intimately involved in the system needs analysis and discovery phase of an installation so they can really, really, really understand the problem the customer is trying to solve. He writes, quote, unquote, the industry is long overdue to consider a new approach to control system programming saying programmers have an opportunity to step up their game and show what they can do. Justin, we'll start with you on this. Uh, is it time to get, uh, you know, get these folks out from behind their desks and, and get them in the field and talk, talk, talking to customers and really you know, feeling their pain so they can, that can translate into a better system? It's been a long past time. I mean, this is something that I've spoken about with Luke at some point in time. Uh, we may have been intoxicated, I'm not sure, but there was some discussion that occurred. Um, I will be very frank in this. The control system market is missing the boat in a lot of ways. And they're doing so, they're, they're developing more complex ways of delivering X, and they're doing so at their own obsolescence. Hmm. I mean, we, I, whenever I engage uh, vendors, no matter where I've worked in the past, one of the things that I've heard is one of the pain points is, finding the right ex-talented programmer. Insert your brand name here. Because each variation is so nuanced, there's differences here, there's differences there. And they're trying to train these people up, which is amazing because people are picking themselves up by the bootstraps and learning how to do this stuff. However, there is a extremely large pool of gifted individuals that speak a number of languages today that if we were to make the, this this platform align more to an IT standardized coding subset, 
you'd have a huge talent pool to pull from and we're no longer hamstrung by having to find that quote right person end quote who understands blue blocks, blue, blue blocks, red blocks, green, I don't care. It doesn't matter. If you have the ability to speak whatever language is native to you, meaning programming language. I mean, I speak Fortran, COBOL, Perl, and a few other languages that are probably antiquated wouldn't show my age. Uh, but having understand, having understood that I can model my way through the basic concept of programming, but I have people right now who sit on a bench that do things that are amazing with code, and I'm hamstrung as it applies to being able to engage internal resources because they don't know X programming language or not X certified. But I think this goes back to the manufacturers and the lesson that they, I think, need to learn is it's not about you. It's about the industry. Oh, can you say that again, please? Not about you. Oh my, Jesus, Lord, hallelujah. No, you're right. It's not, about, it's not about the name on the box. It's about the name on the building. And I hate to put it that way, but it really isn't. It's about the people who signed the checks. I mean, I've said this before. Megan and Luke, you've heard it. I don't care whose name's on the box. If Whataburger made a new DSP tomorrow and it fit the needs of my business, I would buy a million of them tomorrow to make sure that I had the right stuff in the right places. We don't care. It's not that we don't have brand loyalty. We have people loyalty when it comes to that. When I, when I look for people in, in the industry, I'm not looking for the best monitor from X, from X vendor. I'm looking for this person who has listened to my needs in the past, who understands what I'm going to deliver, understands what I really desire when it comes to that design, and then helps me create it. I mean, Tim, to your point, Megan, to your point, if we were to get people out from behind the desk and into the field to see the true challenges they're facing outside the mentality of what can I squeeze in this next rev of firmware or what's going to be the next shiny box for the, the show in June, there'd be a lot of change in the world. And I think it'd be changed for the better. I think if, you know, we got into this dream world where there was some type of a standardization, it would solve two problems. One, it would make integrators and end users happy which is gonna make you know, the value of our industry increase exponentially. And two, the other problem is we always complain that we never can get talented young indiv individuals and we're a dying field. So why don't we do something that helps recruit these people into the field? All right, Mr. Jordan, I'm gonna ask you, how, what, what is the holdback of getting folks and getting programmers to start programming like a software developer and getting them in the field? What, what is the, the hurdle there? Well, it's, it's actually not because common programming languages don't exist. Xtron is going to Python. Uh, Aurora has their Reacts, which uses, work with me, I don't know, Java or something. I'm not a programmer, but... Going, going to. Xtron, no. Xtron no. is going to Python. No, Extron has gone to Python. They, they went to Python right. a, a year ago, okay. and Aurora released Reacts last summer at Infocom, and it is a Linux-based OS that uses common computer language programming. Yeah. So there, there are options out there already. Um, I know, I know for me, if you look at any bid specification there's usually one or two brand names that are acceptable for um, control systems. And so I think in a lot of ways, 
the the big enterprise large iconic projects are almost always going to be consultant design driven which is fine but i think a lot of other people are going to say what's facebook doing what's google doing what's microsoft doing what are they using and i think that kind of drives what everyone else is going to do they're going to say what's trending and they're not going to look at a comparable um entity maybe they do but typically they're going to say well what's coming next these larger corporations with with more budget and more need are going to be kind of setting that pace and then that's a consultant driven design at that point that's not going to be risky um the other time as an integrator i want to make sure that i'm not taking too much risk by putting my eggs in a basket that I don't know if they're going to be in business in five years. So I'm going to tend to want to stick to more commonly well-known manufacturers. And then also say I already know Crestron and AMX. Um, if someone else comes out with another product that I like, well, now I have to learn a third control uh, system programming methodology, or I'm going to start contracting that out. And then after the job's done, I have to start servicing that. So now my service team has to understand the nuances of that control system and how that works. And I'm spending less money with the other two control systems I was doing. So now I'm not buying as much product with anyone and maybe my discounts go down and my profit, which I'm not really banking on for equipment anyways, gets even worse. So it's a very complicated answer. I do agree with Steve's article and what Justin is saying, but I'm a little bit in a box. I, I, I do my best to see what other people are doing, but I really don't go up to other companies and say, well, kind of open up. What do you guys do? Yeah. So I really only know what I do and I think we're being real smart about it, but everyone thinks they're really smart. So I'm 100% curious and don't know how to answer this. How many people haven't already made this transition? How many integrators aren't involving their control system programmer or designer or lead to kind of say, Hey, I'm thinking of doing a control system. This is the conversations I've had so far. Can you help me whiteboard this out and help, um, help identify what I need to be selling. And if you don't have enough information, do, would you like to schedule a sit down meeting or a phone call with the client so I can finish this proposal? I don't know how much that, that actually isn't happening. I mean. I think it happens a lot less than you think it does. Yeah, I, I, I would, I would agree with that. So, uh, and before we, we wrap up here, I, I want to make the statement. I could be wrong here. Um, but, uh, Justin is, is from Texas. So if a DSP manufacturer ever did make a Whataburger DSP, he would buy the crap out of those. All um, right. Yeah, you're not lying. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> thank you guys so much uh, for joining us. Ms. Megan Dutta. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you for having me. And you can find me on Twitter at SCNMag or at Megan A. Dutta. And you can read all the latest Infocom 2019 news at avnetwork.com or in the show dailies. Yep, absolutely. Well, they're the ones who put together the show dailies. So, uh, Mr. Luke Jordan, thank you, sir. How do people find you or uh, Electroacoustics? You can find me on Twitter at TD Albright, but don't, oh, don't, me. don't do that. Or avnation.tv, avnation.tv. That was very nice. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Watts, how do people find you if you want them to? Uh, I'm available across the uh, the interwebs and on various.
various social media platforms identifiable as Paladin Machina, P-A-L-A-D-I-N-M-A-C-H-I-N-A. That's going to be Twitter, Facebook, you name it. I'm probably there somewhere. Right, very good. Uh, Mr. Jordan stole my thunder. I tell people not to, not to follow me. Although at this point, um, you would have gotten a really ticked off hockey fan uh, about two nights ago uh, on, on Wednesday night. So, yeah, that was a hand pass, just for the record. It comes uh, with territory. That was a hand pass, an illegal hand pass. <laughs> blues and, and hockey and football in about two or three months. So, but go by the website, if you would, please, avianation.tv, avianation.tv. You will find this program and a host of others, including our other weekly program that looks at the residential side of the AV industry. And this past week, they covered the purchase of uh, Control 4 by Snap AV. Uh, and supposedly, uh, Control 4 has some other, uh, other announcements have, coming up in the next couple of weeks. So we'll have somebody on from them on Matt's show. Also, while you're there, uh, check out our supporter section. These are folks who help us financially and help us bring you AV Week and Resi Week. And in three weeks, four weeks time, Infocom coverage. So, yeah, uh, we'll all be heading to Orlando June 12th to the 14th. Uh, we do have a, uh, another webinar coming up. It's actually coming up this Wednesday. This will post on Monday, so in two days. Um, old buddy uh, Josh Schrago and Colin Dunning. Uh, we're going to help me break down some of the marketing in, in terms of AV over IP to get you ready to go to Infocom, honestly. Uh, also, speaking of Infocom, uh, sign up for our tweet up. It happens June 12th from 4 to 6 p.m. Uh, we call it a walkthrough party because that's literally you're walking from the show floor to your next one. Come by, have a drink, uh, see some folks that you might know um, online or, or just other, uh, other areas as well. So come by and, and, and check that out. You can sign up for that also on the website, all that and more at avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV week.